This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, God's good to us. Amen? Amen. Um, I'm just so thankful you're here, and uh, we're going to have some prayer in just a few minutes, but I want to break the word, and then I want to pray over some needs uh, in the house. Have you enjoyed the Killing Kryptonite series? How many of you got the book yet? How many of you got the book? Several of you. Amen. Well, I'm praising God for that. I encourage you to get the book. We can't can't even just barely skim the topic of, of, of the power that we've learned through this study. Well, I'm just excited about what God's going to do, what He's going to speak to us now, through His Word. We're going to go to our last message in this Killing Kryptonite series. We are going to talk about the path to the cross, the path to the cross. And we're going to go back to 1 John chapter 4, verse number 17. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 17. Let's read this passage and then we're going to pray. As He is, so are we in this world. Why don't you read this with me now? Let's read it together. As He is, so are we in this world. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. For your word cleans us up. Your word cleans us out. And your word gives us a safe place to stand. God, for those that are here, those that are listening, those that are watching now, Lord, I know that you have ordained this time. This is a time that you have put us in and around this message so that we might be changed. Father, I thank you for your presence, I thank you for your power, and I thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I, I think there's truth in what I'm going to bring you today, so much so that I, I'm, going to, I'm just really going to petition you, listen carefully, listen so carefully to what we're talking about today. I, I fought, I was talking with someone about the battle. I haven't really slept in the last couple of nights, and, and I've just been just, just talking to God about this time, seeking God, and uh, a lot of things as we've been pressing toward this moment and this time that I think God wants to set somebody free through the power of His Word we got here this morning, it was like all the buttons we had could get pushed and our screens weren't working, several things weren't, weren't right and in place. And I said, well, Lord, I know why the enemy's fighting this word, because if you'll grab hold of this, you can be free. Amen. Now, we've been talking about uh, a subject here. For, we're going to catch up to where we are for the last three, uh, well, this is our third week, uh, called Killing Kryptonite. It's a book by John Revere. I'd highly recommend all of you to, to get that and read that. And we've been talking about uh, this, this substance called kryptonite. And we know that, that, that Superman, a fictional character, um, some of you, that's, that really saddens you to realize that he's not real. And uh, Charlie's still at that age when some superhero comes on, he leans over to me and says, are they real? I'm like, no, they're not real. And uh, but the, you, know, you want to dream they are, but Superman and the fictional substance that takes away his power, the fictional substance that makes him weak, makes him ultimately sick and could kill him if he stays around it too long, is called kryptonite. So as we've been studying this, we've realized, and I don't know if anybody else has realized it as much as I have, we've realized that we all have kryptonite in our lives. Right. We've realized that, that it's not a fictional substance, it's a real substance, it's called sin. And this kryptonite has been placed there by the enemy to keep us from being what God has called us to be. Because if you'll remember, the verse says that as Jesus is, that's who we are to be in this world. 
As Jesus walked, that's how we're supposed to walk. As Jesus talked, that's how we're supposed to talk. So in other words, when Jesus took himself only in the places that God had called him to go, Jesus took himself in only the situations that God had called him into, and Jesus only conducted himself in a manner that would glorify his Father. So until we've mastered those things, I don't know that we're living that verse out effectively yet. Let's just be honest about it. We haven't mastered what it means to live as Jesus lived, but the power of the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us become what God has called us to be. The power of the Holy Spirit has come into us to help us be, as it were, supernatural, that we can overcome all the things that have chased us all of our lives, that we might be able to walk in freedom. Now, I didn't say this in any other services, but I feel it burning in my heart. I feel like I'm standing among some people that are not who you're supposed to be, but you're better than what you're supposed to be. You've been brought not into bondage, but you've been called into freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God and the victory that is yours through Christ. And we are no longer of this world, but we are now supernatural of the kingdom of heaven. But yet, I see a lot of kryptonite in my life. A lot. Too much. There's a couple glaring areas, boom, big kryptonite. I mean, I, I, if you're a Superman fan, I'm kind of imagining there's a few areas of my life that for some reason feels like the door to the fortress of solitude. But then I found some specks in my life too. Some kryptonite specks that don't need to be there. And so we've been studying about what, how do we deal with those things. And I'm going to try to get there in just a moment. But then last week we came to the fact that, that the kryptonite keeps you from living up to your potential. And as the kryptonite keeps you from living up to your potential, as the kryptonite keeps you from becoming who God wants you to be, it should be unthinkable that we would willfully live below our potential. We know that God didn't call us to this. We know that God didn't choose us for this. But yet we walk there. We walk in that sin on purpose. God doesn't want that for our lives. You see, that's the problem. It's about sin. It all comes down to a sin issue that we all struggle with. Now, I'm looking around the room very intently right now, and I'm trying to make eye contact with some of you that I, maybe you need to preach this message instead of me because I have a sin issue. Pastor Danny, should you be preach this message? Okay, he said no. <laughs> Honey, do you need to preach this message to me? Okay. Well, for whatever reason, God chose this man with a sin issue to talk to all of us about our sin issues today because we all deal with sin. And there's really about three ways that people deal with sin. And the first way, unfortunately, there are people, people listening to me now, maybe here, maybe via uh, the other methods, but they're listening to me that deal with sin the way that many try. See, some simply choose to believe their sin or to leave their sin undealt with. I mean, it's there. They know it's there. They know it's wrong. But you know what? It's been there my whole life. That's just who I am. Don't make me mine for an amen today. Come on now. I mean, that's the way it is. Somebody said to me one time, they said, they said, Pastor, uh, they had a bill laying out in front of us. Well, let's open your bill, and we're going to read your bill, and, and then we're going to know where you are, where you stand. And they said, oh, no, 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 I couldn't open my bill. And I said, why can't you open your bill? They said, because if I see the number, I'll know what shape I'm really in. It doesn't matter if you acknowledge the sin or not. Sin's still sin. That's right. Let me maybe put it more practical for you. It's like that seat of the enemy's power that we have in my house called a weight scale. <laughs> Come on now. I walk past that thing and it calls out to me, you should step on me. 
I call back, I should break you. <laughs> but I don't want to get on it because if I get on it, the number I've been telling everybody might be a lie afterwards. Come on now. Because things might have changed since the last time I got on it. You see, our sin that we know is wrong, if we just don't face that fact, it's still wrong. And it still will make us weak, sick, and keep us from the victory that Christ has called us to. We have to deal with our sin. We grow accustomed to it. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse number 12 says this. It says, are they ashamed of the detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. What it's saying is this. We start living in sin for so long, we just, we, we, we're no longer embarrassed by it. That's just who we are. Accept it or not, God, that's just who I am. And God says, no, 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 I'm not going to accept just who you are because I died so that you could become whole. Right. And he wants to deal with that sin. And then we move to the next way that many deal with sin. And listen carefully because this is a danger. Some buy into the lie. Let me say that again. Some buy into what? The lie lie that we are all sinners by nature and the blood of Jesus frees us from the penalty of sin, but not the bondage of sin. And and we call this part of the hyper-grace movement of today where people say, well, he'll forgive me anyways. He'll forgive me anyways. And, And you know what? He's going to forgive you. His grace is sufficient for you, and he's going. But that does not excuse us to continue living in sin because the Jesus who can forgive you for that sin can also free you from that sin. I've got Bible on that. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1 reads like this. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us uh, more and more of his wonderful grace? I mean, think about it. Oh, it's so good to feel his forgiveness. So, so, so I'd sin so I can feel his forgiveness? Of course not. I just love the way Paul writes it. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in sin? Because of grace, we are not who we were. We have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we cannot settle for sin. We must stand up. And I tell you what you need to step on, grace needs to become a ladder, a ladder that causes us to rise above sin. We, many of us just go, well, praise God. Oh, you go, Pastor Don, I would never believe that lie. Well, let me just reword the whole thing for you. We say, oh, he'll forgive me anyways. But the problem is, even most of us don't live there. The problem is most of us live, most believers find themselves in a struggle with sin. Some just accept it. Some deny it, basically. But most of us find ourselves in a struggle with sin. I mean, we know better than doing what we're doing. As a matter of fact, as Paul said it this way, he said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. He said, I go against the flow of who I am naturally because because I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know Jesus more, but instead I find myself turning around and going back to my old sin, doing those old things, and, and it really creates this struggle because here's the problem that comes up out of that. We end up finding this sin in our lives, and we know that it shouldn't be there. And you know what? We don't have to look very far for it right now because most of us know what it is. And it's in our lives, and we're dealing with it. And as we're dealing with that sin, as we're dealing with this struggle, as we're dealing with this problem, all of a sudden we find ourselves ending up feeling more and more condemned because he forgave us last week. 
Man, this service is different. I'm preaching stuff I didn't preach the last service. I raised my hand about that one last week. I confessed that kryptonite last week. I confessed that sin before. And I, I'm just, I can't believe I did it again. I can't believe I went back there again. I can't believe I said it again. I can't believe I brought that into my life again. I can't believe that. And we end up in this cycle. And I love what the book says. The book says their shame holds them down. We end up in this cycle of sin that keeps pushing us down and pushing us back. And we're called to live in the freedom and the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. But instead, we're walking in this darkness that we don't know how to get free from. We don't know how to break the, the, that bondage. We don't know how to, how to be liberated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we find ourselves once again in need of the same forgiveness. Maybe I'm just preaching to me, but I think I'm preaching to most of us. Because we go back there again. Can I tell you today? There is hope. There is hope. But Pastor Don, you don't know how many times I've struggled. Well, Jesus addressed this in Luke chapter 17. And Jesus said to them in the third verse of Luke chapter 17, he said this. He said, so watch yourselves. So stop sinning yourselves. And he said, if another believer sins, another what? Believer, believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive them. Now that makes sense right there. He says, look, stop sinning yourself. And if you find another believer in sin, he says, forgive them. And watch what it's, then he's almost like Jesus shifts gears completely, but it makes so much sense when we read it like this. He says, stop sinning yourself. If another believer is sinning, help them find the forgiveness that they need. Because this is what he says. He said, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Now, hold on a minute. That's almost like he says, all right, stop sinning and help them stop sinning. But if somebody hurts you, he, he's not shifting gears that much. Listen to what he's really saying. Listen to what, where he really is embracing them, okay? I want you to get this. I, I want you to understand what God's really speaking to us right now. Here's what he says. Stop sinning yourself. Stop, help others stop sinning. But I want to show you how good God is to you. He says, if that person keeps on sinning, you need to keep forgiving them over and over and over again. Why? Because that's what your heavenly father does for you. He doesn't suddenly go, oops, you reached your limit for today. Just back off and I'll see maybe tomorrow if I'll forgive you. No, God in his grace, every time you back your knee in his grace and in his love, he is able to forgive you and deliver you from the very power of sin that you walk back into. You know, I love that little lady sitting on that front row right there, just more than I can ever imagine. But whether you know it or not, sometimes she can have an attitude. It's usually caused by me. And there are times that we're arguing. And as we're arguing, She'll look at me and I'll, I'll be like, we got to settle this right now. Come on. We don't argue as much as we used to. And now it's kind of become a rare thing, but I'm like, we got to sell it. I can't go on unless we, we deal with this. And, and, and she's like, she's like, you're going to have to give me some time. I'm like, you don't want me to give you some time. I'm thinking about things that I could do that might end up making me spend time away. Come on now. And so she says, you have to give me some time. Can I tell you that my father in heaven has never said to me, oh, you're going to have to give me some time to decide if I can forgive you. He has never said, well, I don't, <laughs> you know what? I love you, but I don't like you right now. He has never said that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what I'm telling you is he's going to forgive you, 
but don't live in sin thinking he's going to forgive you. But instead, what you need to do is when you sin, listen to me, you need to never stop going to the cross. You need to realize that there is no gate put up that will block you out. There is no limit number of visits that you ought to, you ought to have a pathway made to, to the place called Calvary in your life where you get alone with God and you bow your knee and you say, God, I can't believe I went there again, but I believe in your power. I believe in your deliverance. And as you begin to arrive, shake yourself and become determined. I might end up here again, but it won't be by choice because I am delivered by the blood of the Lamb. I am made clean by the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Here's the problem. You haven't made a path to the cross in your life. My children, God bless them, but my parents lived next door to us for a while. And my children literally created a worn path across the yard. You could see where their little feet would go across to there. And I mean, I heard this more time than once. What are we having for dinner? We'd tell them, well, I'm going to go over there and see what Grammy made. <laughs> Come on now. We, we'd get on to them and say, you're grounded. I mean, particularly my oldest would say this, well, I'm going to live with Papa. <laughs> and they wore themselves a little trail to Grammy and Papa's house. And you could see the path they walked, and they could walk it in the dark. We should wear ourselves a trail to Calvary. We should be able to walk it in the storms, walk it in the dark times of our life, walk it until we know we get there because I may have to go back again and I'm ashamed of having to go back again because I've fallen again, but he's faithful and just and he will forgive me. Now listen, I'm trying to hurry here, but I want you to get this. See, here's the beauty and here's the truth. You go, well, Pastor Don, I, I, I've dealt with it the first way or I'm dealing with the second way or I'm dealing with the third way. The answer is the same for all three. This is how you're going to get free. Are you ready? Freedom is found in a deeper relationship with Jesus. When you have a deeper relationship with Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Michael, can I pick on you this morning? Michael's my friend for almost 20 years now. He's a good friend of mine. I pre- he should take his pastor fishing more, but I, I appreciate him. But Michael's my buddy. And I love him. And let's just say that somebody came to me and said something bad about Michael. I would hope they would know better than saying something bad about Michael to me. Because Michael's my friend. We're in relationship. But if they did come to me and say that I'm going to tell you how I'd respond, I'm going to look at them and say, now I'm going to tell Michael what you said. None of this, well, don't tell him, brother. No, I'm going to tell him exactly what you said. Why? Because I don't want you to go say something to Michael and say, well, Don said this about you. Are you with me? Because I'm not going to say something about him behind his back that I wouldn't say to his face. Because we're in relationship. The reason that getting closer to Jesus is going to help you is because when you love him, you don't want to hurt him. When you have been spending time with him, your relationship has grown. And as you're growing, listen, you become like those you hang out with. And our problem is this. We've been hanging out with kryptonite and our sin far too long. What we need to do is start hanging out with Jesus. And when you're hanging out with Jesus and worship is permeating your life and praise and the word is moving in you, suddenly it's not as easy to go back to the kryptonite because you have tasted of the Lord and you have seen that he is good. And you don't want one thing that you're about to do to hurt him. 
And I don't know where this came from in my life, but this is what I'd say. I said, God, I know that I'm tempted. But when Jesus went to the cross, I can't imagine the pain that he suffered for me. I don't want to add to that pain now because of what I'm going to do. I will choose to walk in victory. So that was one less thing he had to go to the cross for for me. You see, Philippians 3 and 8 reads like this. It tells us of the victory that we can have. You see, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. I'm going to come to know Jesus more and more. This is important because true freedom comes from knowing Jesus. Now listen, I'm going to start this message down to a close, but I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10. Because if you want to know Jesus, you're going to have to learn to walk in true repentance in your life. He says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. I think the King James says it, says it this way, that godly sorrow worketh repentance. Okay? So what this is saying is there's two kinds of repentance. One will help you know Jesus more, and the other will keep you away from Him. Let's just deal with the one that will help you know Him more. That's the kind that's when you say, I'm really sorry for failing you again. Watch, watch that. I'm sorry for failing you again. I'm sorry that I trampled the blood that you washed me in. I'm sorry that I promised you last time I wouldn't do it again, but yet here I am doing it again. I'm sorry, Lord, for the pain that I've caused you. So that's the kind that worketh repentance that leads unto salvation. But the other kind is this. I'm sorry that, excuse me, that's just who I am. The other kind of sorrow says I'm sorry for getting caught. Or I'm sorry for the price that I'm going to have to pay for what I just did. And that doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. But the true sorrow falls into the category of what David said in Psalms 51 and 4. David said this, he said, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And you will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. In other words, what he's saying, God, I'm not repenting so that I don't get spanked. I'm repenting, God, so that you will know that I'm sorry for what I have done to hamper the relationship that we have. Most of us are jailhouse Christians, as it were. Get me out of this, God, and I'll serve you. No, what he's saying is this. He's saying, even if I have to pay this price, I'm still going to serve you because you are the greatest joy of my life. Freedom is near when our repentance becomes less about how we have failed and more about the God who sees our sin. God's speaking to us. 
John chapter 8, verse number 32. I want you to stand with me. We want to come to know Jesus more. We want to fall in love with Jesus. We want to stop living in sin. We want to start walking in freedom. We want to be the path to the cross. But this passage, John 8, 32, go ahead and put that on the screen for them. I want you to see this. There's two translations of this passage, and about, about three-quarters of the, of the translators use the bottom translation there, but, but the, the most poetic versions use that top translation, and I think both of them are so powerful. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, what do we always say? Set you free. The truth shall set you free. But the King James, the New King James, they said, and the truth shall make you free. And there's some liberty taken here with the translators between these. Uh, those who translated these made these interpretations because uh, there's, there's a, the way these words are put, there's, some, there's some, some freedom here that they're taking. But I want you to notice the difference between these two. And the truth shall set you free is what most of us want. We want God to take us from our fallen state, which he does at salvation, and set us in a better place. All right, we've got a little baby crawling around the house whenever my children come in to visit little Jonah he will crawl up under stuff and get stuck and do you know what grandpa does they actually left him with me the other day I was like you cannot get broken while you're with me and what does grandpa do grandpa delivers him from his bondage and sets him in a better place. And do you know what that little booger does? Right back into his bondage. And grandpa sets him in a better place. And then I realized that one of the reasons he's going back is because of how we're interacting with each other. If the greatest interaction you have with God is his grace and forgiveness, you're missing out on the wholeness of his love and his mercy and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the difference in this passage is, one, as we say, God set us back in a better place. But the other is saying, God, make me who I need to be so I don't go back to that place. And we need to stop asking him to set us in the right place. Because he has set, seated us all. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, Scripture says. But we need to become the people who he has made holy. And we won't go back to yesterday's kryptonite anymore. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.